bags, big day today, USFL action over the weekend. We got the NFL draft on Thursday, maybe, maybe a final underdog draft. What do you say? Yeah, we got the rookie sophomore, so we're going to try to squeeze one more of that over on Best Ball on Underdog Fantasy. Also got some NFL draft prop bets that maybe you might want to take if you could take them in your state. And also, as Pete mentioned, the USFL recap week two happened. Some absolutely awful games, some really fun ones. So we'll give you everything you need to know right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, it was it was good. I had a productive weekend. I recorded a video yesterday, so I wasn't in full-on uh, relax mode, but always feels good to get ahead of uh, some projects that I've been wanting to work on. And meanwhile, I am a special brand of delirious because of the baby hours where you basically end up, Pete, sometimes waking up at 5 a.m. Then you can't get back to sleep until 8.30 a.m. Then you sleep for half an hour and then you have to begin your day as though that's a normal process for the brain. And as a result, Pete, uh, going through meetings today, going through sending some emails, some documents, it's real hit or miss what's working and what isn't. Yeah, I would like some of my friends who are new dads had said that they feel pretty useless at the start that the mother is taking care of most of the heavy lifting. It, has that been the case for you or are you right there along her side up and at them at all moments? Well, because we are, we do the pumping. So she doesn't have to be personally given the milk out of her supply on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, in the beginning, you have to do that for the first like week or whatever. Cause you, there's like something called colostrum that comes out, which vaguely resembles honey, Pete. I know you always ask for the graphic details of every possible body. I already regret through. asking you this question. To begin with. <laughs> but you know, generally what you want to do is you want to, as the guy, you want to help out a little bit because, you know, especially even, well, even with me on, on not taking my paternity leave yet, punning it towards the summer as we've talked about on the show, uh, like the mental drain on the side of any parent doing all the labor is like a near impossibility unless they're one of those people who's like super into it. And unfortunately, Pete, like Alex loves the baby. Alex very much uh, gives him little kisses, says adorable things. Uh, I don't think she's a, as about it as other moms are where it's like, oh, this is everything I've ever wanted in life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's, uh, that's good, right? You want to yeah. still maintain a healthy, uh, balance and, uh, it probably helps your sanity as well. I mean, it's, it's good for her. I think it's very inspirational. I personally wouldn't mind if she were like, yeah, I would love to give up everything that I enjoy to take care of this baby every minute of the day so I can play video games and watch more USFL, Pete. But unfortunately, we just got to deal with the hand we're dealt, as I always like to say on the show. Yeah, you have it down so bad. I'm surprised you haven't done it too. I mean, it's like uh, Peter Jennings, you know, he, his wife caught him complaining that because he has a wife and a kid, he's not able to have friends over to play ping pong as much as he would have liked. So I'm sure you would get a lot of sympathy if you put a tweet out of, yeah, this baby's really harsh in my mellow with how much USFL I can watch. Meanwhile, all the fellows would get it. They'd be scared to like it out of fear of it appearing on their partner's timeline. But maybe, Pete, that's something that Elon can fix now that he's <laughs> really buying Twitter for out of spite. It seems like a spite coffee shop kind of purchase here by Elon. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. 
All right, let's do the uh, let's get into everything we got to get into here. We got a whole lot to get uh, on to in the show. And of course, Willis pointing out that uh, probably a tough intro to get to everybody. But we appreciate you guys riding for us, of course, whether you're watching on Peach Channel or the Splash Play channel. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. Help us out a bunch. And also, we're going to be doing content all off season long, having some fun doing actual football related things, everything in between, as well as you know that we're going to be giving you every single time we put on a Splash Play show. So subscribe right now on Peach Channel or on the Splash Play channel. And who knows, maybe even put a short form version of the of the prop betting segment on today's show on the channel after this one and pete i also want to give a chance for you to plug because ship chasing uh doing their draft special that they've done i think you guys have done it the last few years i know i was on it last year but always a good time always very sharp i know the guests you guys bring on uh certainly people that are designed you know with the work they do the research they put into given edge they give people the plug for what's coming up on ship chasing yeah, I think you're right. I think we started doing it. Maybe it was the COVID year. So this will be our third year we've done it. And uh, yeah, I can uh, I can tease out some of the guests now. Um, we're going to be doing a little bit in conjunction with some of the Rotoviz guys. So we're going to have Sean Siegel on. We're going to have Anthony Amico on, who's been crushing it over at Establish the Run with his mock drafts in the prop betting market. And then, yeah, rotating guests, lots of Rotovisers, some of the guys from the ship chasing community. Um, so yeah, it's going to be lots of fun. Spags will be swinging by for a bit so yeah that'll kick off thursday night around 8 p.m eastern and uh yeah we're gonna have some drinks and uh just shoot the shit for the entire draft uh mixed in with what i hope will be some vaguely actionable info for you and your dynasty drafts but mainly just for us to drink and if nothing else, the hottest takes right off the presses that you're going to get in fantasy, though. I did see there are some competing shows out there this year, Pete, from uh, oh, people yeah. in the industry trying to put something together. And I, maybe you didn't see it, but I just think it's funny because, like, to me, I was like, I would never want to compete uh, with what's on the big TV at that point because it's just hard to get that footing. For you guys, like, there's enough of a community there to justify it. But if you are, like, a mid-tier media enterprise trying to do this and compete with ESPN and people who have, like, loyal stream followings, uphill sledding, I would say, Pete. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it... It's fun though. Like everyone likes hanging out and watching the draft. So uh, I think it's great that there's lots of streams. Will, as I can tell you right now, there is no Josh Norris because he's hosting his own stream on the underdog channel. I actually think uh, Pat Gretsch and I might pop in over there for a little bit too. So it's going to be like a, a round Robin open house evening, but no, Josh has to defend his greatest mock draft ever. I have been told he is going to be getting extremely drunk on Thursday night as well. So uh, I would say pop around, support all of your favorite content creators streaming, and there will be no shortage of content for you to consume on Thursday. And if you want to watch the main event, I'm scheduled to be on about 9.30 p.m. Eastern, so that's where that's where things really kick in. Of course, my draft analysis, the thing that I'm known uh, the best for. But no, go check out the show, honestly. I love the show that Pete you know does with both Gretsch and with Corrine over there and Ship Chasing, one of my favorite shows to watch when I have the bandwidth to do that. And I think uh, I'll certainly be watching it, given that I'll be on it that day. But also, this really it is a good time doing that show, and I think it is one of the more fun ones whenever they get a bunch of guests together. Good mix of both profitability and also fun content. And speaking of, make sure you go check out Football Outsiders as well. Lots of great articles going on. The USFL recap, if you perhaps uh, played this weekend slate or didn't pay the most attention, you can check out Brian Knoll's recap on there. That'll actually give you uh, some interesting insights that I'm going to reference in our recap coming up in a little bit here. Go check it out, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe is where you can get uh, some of the pay packages. We're actually having meetings now determining some of the products we could put out this year, which is very exciting. But also, again, really trying to do a lot to get quality editorial out there around the NFL draft. Uh, Mike Tanier and Derek Class are going to be doing some previews on social media, not doing a live stream doing the videos and cutting them and putting them out on Twitter so you can just get a one to two minute take on stuff. Uh, that's what I thought was the best value ad we're going to have coming up. But either way, go check it out at footballoutsiders.com. Uh, Pete, USFL week two, 
Oh, how are you feeling about the league now? Two weeks in, the ratings seem to have uh, destabilized, I guess, not been as good as the initial imprint. Also, the crowds in the, the New Orleans game in particular, just pretty tough to see the lack of fans, pandemic era football, it looked like. So what are your takes right now? Yeah, I mean, we did finally get some bigger scores, at least as far as the fantasy performances were concerned here. Just pulled up the lineup for the first place team that took down that 25K. Um, it was on Saturday where we got the uh, the Brian Scott to uh, Alexander uh, stack that just hit in a massive way, getting that 3K wide receiver at sub 3%. They're putting up, you know, a nice 60 points from a quarterback wide receiver stack. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the USFL season, if I thought those kind of scores were possible with this league, I probably would have said no. So that was pretty cool to see, you know, eight receptions, two TDs. Um, and yeah, you know, some stuff that, you know, the field was overconfident in, you know, our chalk is solidifying a little bit. TJ Logan had a nice game. Victor Bolden, who was popular, appears here in the winning lineup. And yet, on the other hand, we still know so little about these teams. Um, I know Justin had a tweet up just talking about some of kind of the weird incongruencies with some of the data. Um, the ballers having the third best pass rate in the league. The stars are second worst in plays per game. So I still don't think we have a full grip on, on how these teams are going to operate. Um, but that also makes it kind of fun still for building lineups where there is an information advantage. And speaking of, let's dig into this a little bit more and go a game by game with what looked like was going to be the marquee game on Sunday, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, people in the chat talking about the breakers. Of course, the team that on this show betrayed us by not naming their mascot splash, even though in fact, they could have done that and been even better. One would assume Dave, the wave instead is representing the team shamefully. I would say uh, Pete on social media. I don't know if you, if you saw, I think it's funny now that if I chirp the breakers account, I'm getting likes just by like replying to the handle because that's the kind of overlap we have with the USFL, despite their disrespect our way. Yeah, you know, it's uh, we're in a tumultuous relationship. I meant to actually let you know, I did add a Dave the Wave emoji to the Deposit Kingdom server. So um, I expect anytime Spags makes a post in there for you guys to hit him with about a million Dave the Waves. I would like to Dave the wave goodbye to that mascot <laughs> is what I'd say, Pete. But the breakers did look pretty good in this one overall. Again, 30-3 was the win. Tampa Bay, a team that a lot of people thought was a dark horse championship contender. Instead, it's looking like the breakers. A lot of interesting stats as well. Kyle Sloter gets 266 passing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Jonathan Adams leads the way at receiver. Five catches for 92 yards on nine targets. But... Pete, I think the most interesting guy overall is TJ Logan, who we talked about in this show pretty early on. He was one of our guys to watch that we mentioned. Um, had some time with Larry Fedora, his former UNC coach. Had a lot of hype coming in. And I think he, to me, looks like the most elite USFL running back I've seen. And this game ends up with 10 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. Also gets four catches for 29 yards. And seemed like he could have gotten more if the game were closer, Pete. But I feel like out of all the guys that we've seen, I, I've hyped up TJ Logan a little bit on the show, so I'm certainly proud. But he like is legitimately, legitimately looking spry definitely by usfl standards at the very least yeah and he's catching those passes which give him both the high floor and the high ceiling there so you know you would generally say oh running back only getting 10 15 attempts can we get that excited but if you're adding a floor of of four points a game plus whatever passing yardage and you know they're using him a lot they he had a kickoff uh, as well. So at least the breakers clearly know that TJ Logan is one of their better playmakers and they're getting him the ball. And I would assume just because we have so little for sure things in the XF XFL USFL right now that his ownership is just going to rise and rise and rise. Cause he'll probably start to feel like a free square. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a point salary-wise where if he's like 8K this week, I don't know that you can get there quite as easily, especially for running backs at this league where there are still enough outlier performances. And we've seen the wide receivers be productive enough that you're probably not wanting to put running backs in the flex quite as much as well. Uh, in this game also, Pete, we did see Jordan Taimu look legit bad. 8 for 18, 62 yards and a touchdown for him. Are you buying in on him now? Like, is it a good time to get back on the Tamu train? Because I feel like he's the one guy, like, that first week he can make the case that, oh, they're blowing out Pittsburgh or whatever. But, like, he comes in with this pedigree, a lot of priors for us, too, as people who like the XFL, how great he looked for St. Louis in that league. And I feel like it's not quite there, and I don't know why. It could be the Todd Haley part, the offense they're running, but I feel like I would be selling my Tamu stock right now and not expecting it to get, like, significantly better. Yeah, I mean, pretty rough showing. Uh, for him and you know, the team only scored three points. So you could say, well, the offense wasn't doing anything on the whole. On the other hand, Tiavo is the one whose job it is to make that offense function. So yeah, it's still so early with the sample sizes of knowing like, is Tampa Bay just way worse than we thought, or are the breakers, the class of the league and just going to be a very tough matchup for all these other teams. So yeah, I, I still think we should probably give him a little bit longer of a leash, but we're going to see a massive overcorrection based on the field's willingness to play him going forward, I would imagine, because he's been chalked back-to-back weeks, hasn't really delivered on that, and uh, I bet a bunch of people are going to jump ship now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to ignore what Brian Scott's been doing in Philadelphia. Again, a guy that I felt had some potential, ended up paying it off, I think, more than I would have expected uh, with 31 fantasy points this weekend and a pretty big day. Um, interesting. Oh, what's going on in the chat? I, I just Is had that- to show quick the uh, the the Dave the Waves emojis are already out in full force uh, in in the Discord here, ready to troll you. Look, I appreciate that you you made that pivot, Pete. It just, again, I feel like we should be united on this front. This would have been great promo for us to have the USFL historic undefeated team with a mascot named Splash. <laughs> I mean, trust me, Spags, I, I still lose sleep over it every night. I feel hurt. Um, I feel like we were betrayed. I feel like we were early thought leaders on the league and and they should have rewarded us, but they didn't, Spags. And we we have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We need to push forward and I'm ready to embrace Dave, the douchebag, the wave. <laughs> One last note on the breakers see, which I thought was an interesting quote from Brian Knowles over at football outsiders, but the average USFL team so far is scoring 19.3 points per game, getting 4.7 yards per play. The breakers have held their opponents to 10 points and 3.5 yards. They're also dominating along the line of scrimmage. 10 sacks are actually double what anybody else has managed so far. And only the Panthers have allowed more, uh, have allowed fewer rather uh, than their 237 passing yards. So, a lot of stuff that shows so far the breakers look like the class of the league. We'll see if that holds up. We know, as Pete mentioned, some of the sample size stuff might not be there, uh, but still looking like the breakers are the class from what we've seen so far. And Pete, I know you didn't watch this game, and candidly, this is the one that I also missed and kind of followed along on DraftKings, saw it looking terrible, and was like, ah, good. I feel justified in not using my Friday night to watch New Jersey, Michigan, 10-6. Shea Patterson, uh, quote-unquote, leads the way, 14 for 28 with 124 yards. Darius Victor, 11 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown is the only okay fantasy game here. And this is the ugly side of, of spring football leagues, Pete. Even with the most seasoned coach uh, and Jeff Fisher, or at least you know the most uh, highest achieving coach, I guess you could say, in the league. And it's just ugly, and it's the kind of football that if you tune into this, like you're probably not watching a lot more. Yeah, these are the kind of games where I wish we did have all four of the games or whatever kicking off at the same time and then just giving us a USFL Red Zone channel because then we could kind of mop up 
some of these really gross games because I do think it, it, it hurts people's perception. Like if this is the first game you tune into and on Fox and you see this is the product, are you really rushing to uh, to come back in? So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't mind like at the start that they wanted to stagger these and they want to have all this programming, but I do really think a red zone style product for this league would have worked so much better. Yeah, I get what they're going for. I think we've talked a little bit about the business, you know, methodology or strategy that they're trying to create more inventory for both Fox, for NBC, for Peacock, for all those things they're in. Uh, but it's just if the football's not good and you have to watch that game and like, you know, look, I, I want to be a USFL diehard. I want to be there. But boy, I could not have felt better about the choice to not spend three hours watching New Jersey, Michigan on Friday night. And I think that's not the way you want people to feel about the league. Saturday's games, though, Pete, were pretty good. Uh, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia ended up being a 30-23 game. A guy we've hyped up a lot in this show, the uh, Aaron Rodgers of Division Three, Brian Scott, threw for 272 yards of three touchdown, also had an, I, uh, an INT. Monster day for Maurice Alexander, who we talked about on this show. And I feel like this is something, Pete, where like we legitimately gave good good takes on Friday for our USFL rider die picks where like we talked about DeAndre Overton thought he looked good. Then also mentioned that Alexander was there at three K flat as a pivot play. He ends up going for eight catches for 87 yards, two touchdowns on nine targets. And then Bradley Gaither on the other side for Pittsburgh sucked up a lot of production. No Jeff Thomas for the Maulers. I'm sure a lot of crestfallen Maulers fans out there, but he ends up with seven catches for 117 yards on a touchdown. All these guys made the winning lineup, Pete. So Bit of a shootout game here, but one that it shows, I think that it can be a fun product. It's just, it's got to be fun like this every single game, pretty much. Yeah, I did see people getting fired up on Twitter. I think Cody Maid had an unironic uh, tweet at one point that said, I'm not kidding. You need to get to your computer to watch the end of this game. I did not heed his advice, but I appreciated his enthusiasm. <laughs> Uh, I look, I think the stars are the most electric brand of football the USFL has right now, but certainly Pittsburgh team that looks so bad in week one against Tampa Bay. Like, I guess they can be a little better. I did have Josh love for the whole game. He had a kind of a middling 236 yard, uh, two touchdowns two interception day, but still passable enough. So uh, two teams that I think at least have shown the tournament upside you want to see for stacks. And, and again, the people won money this weekend on both these teams. So something to keep in mind there. Uh, next, last game on the board to talk about Pete Stallions, Gamblers, uh, people, Gamblers fans. I see in the chat, we have a DJ local hoping the Gamblers can bounce back. Unfortunately, they lose this one 33, 28, really mostly a, a Jamar Smith game. Again, ends up with 229 yards, 20 for 30 passing two touchdowns in an interception. Overall is looking pretty good. Uh, Marlon Williams, Pete, actually, this was one play that was pretty crazy. Marlon Williams had a 64 yard touchdown play where he had the guy beat by about 10 yards and Smith like uncorked it on him. Like I, I know there's not a lot to love, you know, in terms of the highlights where you're not seeing those big, exciting plays, but, but that was one Pete where like, I'm kind of in on the stallions and they're doing it in a way too, where our own Justin Freeman are not our own, but run the Sims. Justin Freeman was talking about them as being like this running team. And they're actually the most like exciting team besides Philadelphia. I think. Yeah, no, they have been pretty fun here airing it out and, yeah, it's, it's still trying to get a grasp on some of these team tendencies. But if there's one thing we can count on, um, it's that Jeff Fisher is going to play a very um, unimaginative brand of football here. <laughs> Cody made stats 56.1% drop back. Uh, for the Panthers, 100% dropout, drop back rate down four with less than four minutes to go. And then 41.9% drop back rate, include, excluding the final two drives. So, yes, we need to hold these few teams close uh, the Breakers, the Stallions, the teams that are willing to air it out. And that's how you can actually plan your USFL viewing schedule because a couple of these teams you just have zero interest in watching. 
What is the schedule for week three, actually? Because I've not looked that up yet, and I'd be curious to see because I do think, like, you know, Birmingham, Philadelphia's probably got some juice in terms of gameplay. Uh, the Breakers, anybody probably has some juice with how good they've been. Um, let's see. We got Saturday, Bandits at Gamblers. That's uh, not the greatest game based on what we've seen in the Bandits so far. Stallions at Breakers, though, 8 p.m. on Fox proper. That actually might be a game that gets people going. Ricky? Uh, welcome to tuning in. We will, uh, we've done many shows, some shows where we just run down the names, just trying to educate our audience of <laughs> uh, the gamblers. It is, it is disappointing. The best name. Sorry. What, what did you say though? Um, so Saturday night next week, uh, week three stallions yeah. at breakers, I think could actually be a pretty fun game based on Jamar Smith looking like maybe the most unsolvable player in the league so far. And the breakers, as we talked about, just defensively been looking better than everybody else by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, some people are calling this an early Super Bowl preview. <laughs> what are they even calling the game? Like the, the USFL <laughs> title. Yeah, what I know it's in Canton. The, like the semifinals and the finals are in Canton. Yeah, they need to come up with a cool name. They definitely do. And then Sunday's games, for what it's worth, like we'll talk about this on Friday's show, but the Maulers at the Panthers, 2.30 on USA Network. Generals at Philadelphia Stars, 8 p.m. on Peacock. So I think those, the networks, it seems like, Pete, the networks kind of tell you the tale of how they're viewing these games, where it's like, oh, Fox gets a Saturday night doubleheader. And then Sunday, it's like, USA Network and Peacock, yeah, here, have a game. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Yeah, I, I still think it's too much. I, I, I think that we don't need all these individually aired games. Yeah, I, it's uh, an interesting league. Again, we'll keep talking about it, but we're going to dig more into the, the league that we have uh, close to heart here in Connor Singh. Stallions versus Breakers, a great name matchup given how, how horses are trained. Uh, you know, that's where we come for, Pete. We come for the equestrian jokes here. That's the really the market we haven't tapped in fantasy football is, is the horse, yeah. the really horse girl one in particular. Yeah, you know, uh, we're down bad if our joy is coming from uh, mascot names and not the the quality of football itself. Yeah, that's uh, look. Actually, it's funny. There was a meeting the other day where we were talking about football outsiders, and they were like, "What's this head like?" Our CEO is like, "Whatever, it's not that big of a deal because it's mostly a self effacing." Was like, "What's this headline here? USFL mascots?" <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "Ken, it's actually a very good bit. We really dug it deep. We, it was a whole thing. There was a payoff to it." <laughs> yeah, just trust like, the process. Just yeah. trust the process. <laughs> Sometimes you end up with a, a not super footbally headline, but that's when you're having the most fun of footballs when you're getting into rivalries with mascots and Pete sells you out and gives an emoji on his channel. <laughs> you know what? I can be bought. And uh, let's just say Dave, the wave met my demands. <laughs> uh, let's get going here, Pete NFL draft time. And of course uh, there's going to be a lot of great takes out there. And I think before we even dig into our own portion of the segment, where we're going to pull up DraftKings Sportsbook, shop around for a really shocking depth of, of bets that are out there on the DK Sportsbook. But Pete, um, anybody that you really want to give your vouch for, I know we talk a lot about, you know, Cody and Justin, Cody made and Justin Freeman for the USFL being experts. I know last year I was really wowed by doing the show with Anthony Amico and thought um, he was crushing on the ship chasing draft show. This, you know, take after take, that ended up being exactly on the nose over and over again. Is there anybody you would tout for out there and really put your personal stamp of approval on as being somebody to go look to for NFL draft info? Because there is a bit of an edge if you are paying attention. Yeah, I definitely rubber stamp uh, Amico. Uh, he's been doing some stuff over at ETR. He has his own sub stack too, where he's been releasing his mock drafts and is just, he watches this stuff like a hawk and also has a really good feel for stuff. Uh, so yeah, I think he's, uh, the best that I've seen, uh, today in the fantasy life newsletter, uh, Elliot Christ, who's the new CEO of, of fantasy life. He wrote up three NFL bets he likes and included a spreadsheet to some stuff he's been tracking. And I know he's really plugged in and on top of that as well. So yeah, those are two guys I've been tailing so far. 
Yep. So there you go. So check those guys out. And of course, um, yeah, that's what we're trying to do here is always give you guys the best information possible. Nick asked, will be recovered enough uh, to do splash play on Friday for first round recap? I, I don't know how crazy you'll be getting on that show, Pete, I guess maybe going hopping from stream to stream. It'll be like hopping from bar to bar for you, but we're going to be ready. And I, I'm expecting you to bring your A game to dig in for every fantasy ramification possible. At my age, if I am not ready to go by 2.30 p.m. Eastern, I have made an awful, awful <laughs> decision in whatever I did on Thursday night. So, yes, Nick, I'm going to try to toe the line of imbibing and having fun, but still being able to roll up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for splash play at 2.30 Eastern. You're going to be hitting the VR bar scene huh, with everybody <laughs> after the show. Go put on your finest cat avatar and go have a time. That's right. Yeah, exactly. The uh, the metaverse here is coming so soon. We're so early, guys. I did see you on the Moonbirds chat today, which I was like, why? There's 4,000 people on this Twitter spaces. I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure it's great. Well, when a bunch of your net worth is now tied up into a pixelated owl, you got to log in <laughs> and see what Kevin Rose is saying about it. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, look, I, I a lot of great minds I saw on that Twitter spaces. So speaking of, let's get into this NFL draft part and hit the like button if you can, guys. We appreciate it a bunch. The NFL draft coming up on Thursday, and there's a lot of interesting props, Pete. And I don't know where we should go with this one because I thought there's some interesting movements here. Trayvon Walker being the number one pick has been uh, something that's been bandied about in media a lot over the last week. Now he's been steamed up to the point where he's minus money, and I guess that feels like the place to spot number one pick. Always going to have an interesting, you know, perspective on the draft and how just. Uh, really like this spot seemed like it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson for weeks and the Jags being the Jags. Now it's Trayvon Walker. Is that worth betting or would you avoid this one? Yeah, I, I don't love betting it now. I mean, it was plus plus one ninety uh, just a couple days ago. And then, you know, Peter King's mock draft came out, which really connected these dots with Walker. And now he's all the way to minus minus one sixty. So I, I do think it's, I don't know. I just have a hard time with these. Um, with, with stuff I don't think is a stone cold lock. Um, but I know Elliot wrote that bet up for the fantasy life newsletter. A lot of sharp people think it's a, a virtual lock right now, but I guess just my personal betting style, a minus 160 off the rip doesn't really get the juices flowing for me. Yeah, that's basically where I would land with it too. Where like if you had gotten him at that plus money and you really trusted, I know uh, Chris Spielman, former GM, had written it up for thirty third team and talked about like why he that was what he was hearing. As Pete mentioned, Peter King also had in his column, and then it's there's now enough out there. But like the reason you take that bet is when it's like plus three twenty and you're seeing people who are credible reporting it. I feel like at minus one sixty, like uh, that just doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah. And then, you know, you're, there's lots of tweets floating around like this. This is Matt Miller saying uh, it's draft week, which means it's a lying week, which is a, just a good reminder too. We have to take for granted a lot of things that are said. Obviously, when you have the one-on-one pick, you don't have to worry about it. Or you could be creating smoke streams if you're willing to move back and get a guy. Maybe you could get a hefty purse to, you know, get a team to FOMO into trading up. But he mentions here Akeem uh, Aquono. I don't know if I got that right. Um, but he said the Jags are really into him and there's some buzz that he's in play at number one overall. So I don't know. As much as uh, it does seem like Walker's going to be the pick, I think I'd rather just like do a little plus 750, you know, room rumor uh chasing with that well at least too you're also going against type a little bit where you're getting an offensive lineman maybe that's what they would think then that uh, they would want to have to obviously back out the investment in trevor lawrence like 
I don't know. I just feel like that's one of those bets where I'm with you as well. That I would rather take, uh, you know, somebody like an Akonwu at, 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 you know, just a little more in plus money than and hope that they're just thinking differently or they, you know, trying to smoke screen people out. I mean, I see you got Stingley at pick three from Snapback Sports. Of course, doing a great job over on Snapchat as well. Um, Pete, don't how, don't, how don't say this? nice things about Jack. It's fine. I, uh, see that, Jack- I see them pop up all the time on my LinkedIn, and I'm like, wow, these guys are really doing something in this crazy uh, content world. Jack, did you? uh stingley at plus 600 is this uh is this like a jack sources special can you can you leak it here i you know your your sources have been hit and miss so i need to i need to find out so stingley right now according to the DraftKings sportsbook for the number three pick is at plus 600 it does seem like a conwu at uh, plus 300 is one that i've also heard i know our mike tanier over at football outsiders really thinks he's one of the names that's probably going to soar up the board the most um, I feel like all these bets, Pete, like this is where I'd be willing to play a little bit more with lots of plus money bets. Nobody yeah. is an obvious favorite. It's certainly some room to go around just because of the needs that the Texans are going to have. Like you can make the case that they could take any of these guys and it would be a logical improvement on what they have right now. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, if I lived in a state where I could bet this legally, I guess I would begrudgingly tail Jack on this one because it's a win-win, right? I either get plus 600, right? or I get to make fun of Jack for giving me a bad pick. And so it's basically an emotional and literal free roll for me. So one interesting pick that I would have here, the number two overall pick, and I know there's been some Lions fans excited at the idea of Aiden Hutchinson falling to them. Um, I think still, you know, the Malik Willis there, plus 1,200 seems like he's firmly in the mix. Uh, Kalen Thibodeau, or Kayvon Thibodeau, excuse me, also pretty decently reviewed overall. And he seems like a guy that could be the pivot if, yeah, like kind of a similar player to Aiden Hutchinson, but had a lot more pedigree coming into this year. And Hutchinson kind of rose up the board. Do you see the Lions doing anything unique here, Pete, at all that you'd actually want to put some money on? Um, For the Lions, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think they're going to get too too crazy there i think it's i think hutchinson um is the pick there i don't know i i think they're gonna be pretty excited about hutchinson falling so this is probably not the spot where i would mess around um i think there's some of these teams like in pick six through ten especially where some of these wide receivers are in play uh i think that's where it can start to get really interesting with some of the plus money so the wide receivers, and let's talk about this because uh, it's interesting, and I think this is, might just be the sorting on DraftKings because of the numbers, but the number 10 draft pick has odds on it. Jamison Williams is number is plus 300. He's the top odds getter here for the number 10 overall pick, and that's one that I feel like has a lot of variability. We've seen the Jets shopping these picks around. I said on Friday's show that it wouldn't be crazy to me if the Jets traded for Debo Samuel using this draft capital. They tried to get guys like DK Metcalf, guys like Tyreek Hill in the door. But I feel like Jamison Williams, Pete, like, I don't know that I have the trust that it's going to be a, you know, the, the jets picking in this spot, but also that they would go receiver. If that were the case, I feel like there's a lot of value going away from the receivers here, but what would you do with the number 10 overall pick? Yeah. I mean, it does seem like we have lots to infer that the jets really want a wide receiver, right? I mean, they were trying to make trade packages for Tyree kill for DK Metcalf. They now sit in a pretty juicy spot of the draft where I think it is justifiable to pull the picks on one of these guys. And then on top of that, I mean, Jamison Williams has been getting so much steam. Here's this Jordan Schultz uh, tweet from the other day, multiple NFL teams. I've spoken with you wide receiver, Jamison Williams is a bona fide star perennial pro bowler and franchise cornerstone. And the one thing that was kind of holding back his drafts 
stock initially was recovering from this ACL. He says that's immaterial. He's a good 13 weeks out of surgery and ahead of schedule with his rehab. Uh, JMO, uh, I believe is the nickname I guess we're rolling with, will be a huge factor as a rookie. And I know a lot of draft Knicks feel similarly. Like if you remove the ACL rehab concerns that they think he is the best wide receiver in this class. So that would be, be interesting. And I do think stylistically he fits well with um, kind of the Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, you know, wide receiver cohort that they have. Yeah, I talked about the Sports Info Solutions data on the NFL draft and how they mentioned that being able to beat press coverage is one of the biggest tells. And Jameson Williams didn't see a ton of press coverage in his college career, but he had the highest numbers on a limited sample size by a wide margin. And when you pair that with the burst he's had, he actually could be undervalued. But I also think, too, again, you know, you don't know who these teams are going to fall in love with. I think even if you don't want to take what I'm saying that the Seahawks, you know, or maybe the, you know, maybe the Seahawks end up with it or somebody else, somebody besides the Jets ends up picking in this 10 spot. Like, I think just taking, you know, even a Drake London, like, you just don't know who can be there and who is going to have the the interest level in this pick. And I just feel like Jamison Williams, like, I think these guys should all be plus 300 or plus 350 P. Like, I don't think there should be an outlier between Williams, Wilson, and Drake London. Yeah, I, I think that's a good take. Like, clearly the market is honing in on a wide receiver for the Jets here. So if we don't have confidence and we know, you know, smoke screens could be in play here. I mean, I also think Drake London, uh, to me, I, I worry that Garrett Wilson might have like a little too much stylistic overlap with Elijah Moore. Maybe the film watchers could push back against that. Whereas I think Drake London, a big bodied outside wide receiver, allow Elijah Moore to play kind of exclusively in the slot. Like that seems to really make sense to me as well. Any other bets, Pete, in terms of the draft numbers here? We got a Willis in the chat saying he needs Drake London over pick 10 and a half. I think that's a decent possibility. I feel like Drake London's one guy wouldn't shock me to see go a little bit higher than expected just because of what we've seen with these alpha receivers. And uh, Drake London seems like he grades out in the best as the best possession guy based on a lot of the boards I've been seeing. But Nick Bird saying, I don't know what the number is on Charles Cross, the Panthers at six. There's a lot of smoke there. I don't see number six, Pete. I'm curious. Can he pick it? Plus 175, I would take the cross bet here that Nick is suggesting over Pickett. I just think, I don't think anybody loves Pickett, and I, I don't think he's given him a lot to love just you know, based on the small hand thing alone. People are really mean about his, his little baby hands. Yeah, let me see. I was going to see if I could find uh, the market here for, doesn't look like they have one for cross. Yeah, the only team-specific ones that they're doing right now is Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, but... uh yeah, I, I trust Nick. Nick is uh, our Panthers boots on the ground hawk there, and uh, he he's very plugged in. So if you can you can find Nick's alpha here, uh, go for it. Yeah, Charles Cross offensive tackle. I guess maybe you're seeing if you can get anything else out of Sam Darnold before you give up entirely. Um, I just honestly, you would it would be hard for me to take any Kenny Pickett bet that has him going. Like I feel like Pete, and this is not a actually there might even be a bet on it. Like out of the fallers, potentially, I feel like Pickett falling like pretty deep in the draft would be one bet that I'd be willing to take. And I don't maybe draft position bets might be out there. Yeah. And I mean, that's the other there's been some pretty brutal quotes leaking about Kenny Pickett recently, you know, basically evaluator saying he's fine, but he's already reached his ceiling, like just essentially saying he has zero upside. So, yeah, I'm with you. I yeah, if you could hit like uh, if there was a way to bet. um say Willis and Ritter to be the first two QBs off the board at pretty nice plus money, I think would be a fun bet. And yeah, I mean, these, these quarterbacks are going to be so interesting to monitor. I mean, Nick earlier was saying the lions must take Malik Willis. Like I agree with that take, like take a stab on the best quarterback in this class, but I don't think they're going to do it um, at that pick, but I, I'm with you. I, I think you should be using 
a top 10 pick on Malik Willis. Uh, if you have a chance to take a stab at, at an elite quarterback. Yeah, Kenny Pickett right now over 12 and a half is minus 145 under 12 and a half is plus 115. So definitely a little bit of a shading uh, to go higher than the 12th or 12th pick. I guess the 13th pick really is where he'd be going there. And then Willis, they have at 10, uh, 10 and a half is his line minus 130 over 10 and a half under 10 and a half is plus 100. I think Willis at plus 100 under 10 and a half, I think is not a bad bet. Yeah, uh, I don't mind that one. <laughs> I'm laughing at tube socks here. Referencing Kenny Pickett's small hands. When are we going to see some dude use prosthetic fingers to trick the hand measurements, making him extra millions? Now, this is some true galaxy brain thinking here. Um, or, or you could do like the old Nautilus rack thing, like where they stretch the guy out and you just you put your hands on there and just your fingers get slightly disjointed, but not so much so that it would hurt your hand. You know, granted, like this is very difficult medical science to, to get going the way you need to. But Pete, maybe we can corner the market on <laughs> making QBs have less infantile hands. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think this is this is a new bit. Uh, for these guys. I mean, you can train for the 40 yard dash. You can train for your bench press, but you can't change your fingers. But could you with prosthetics enter spags and I new business. If you are an NFL prospect with small hands, you can get our new prosthetic fingers, nine 99, three separate payments. Batteries not included. I bet too, like in this is a complete, I'm talking even more out of my ass than usual. I bet there's a correlation between how much people are playing video games and the size of their hands because like more time with your hands constricted, they're not getting the full wiggle room to kind of stretch out and get where they need to be. So maybe Kenny Pickett is just, you know, ahead of the game in a way that we don't even realize. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Where, where are you at on some of these position totals for the first round? Because one really interesting one is this wide receiver market has moved. Mm -hmm. You know, it was at five and a half and the juice was, you know, indicating the over. And now they just even took that down and changed it to six and a half. I'm now starting to wonder if seven is getting a little too rich as far as how many of these wide receivers are going to actually go in the first round. I think that's one of those bets that's being steamed up because of all the contracts going out around, you know, right now where obviously teams are starting to value the position a little bit differently, but I don't think that means they're going to reach for guys. I think it just means that they're going to be more willing to pay for guys that they kind of established themselves. And it's still, you got to take guys like, you know, like we do on our best ball drafts. So that's like a pair of NFL GMs, even though obviously pretty close. Um, like the ADP is where the ADP is. Like you don't want to reach for guys just because like they could be important and, and you have to pay them more in just a few years. So I think if anything under six and a half, like I agree, like that's probably a really good bet. And if you did get the over five and a half, like I wouldn't be mad at that either. Yeah. I mean the five and a half, I, th I think six is, is the good number. Um, so if you got the five and a half, I think that's good. Uh, but at the six and a half, I do not like the seven a lot. Um, uh, I'm, I'm taking the under on six and a half and it's actually a really good middling opportunity. If you did get the five and a half, because six probably is the most likely number. Um, also total first round quarterbacks drafted. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of great bets out there. I encourage you guys. We've talked about some of the names that you should look out for out there who might have some more takes on offensive lineman props, stuff like that. But QBs drafted Pete over two and a half. I don't see how that's minus two fifty. Like, I think there's a decent shot. We only get two. And it wouldn't completely shock me if we only end up with one quarterback drafted and then the other two go off the board, you know, top around two. I would take the under two and a half at plus 190 of total first round QBs drafted. Yeah, this one's so hard because I do agree with you. Just gauging sentiment, reading mock drafts, reading Twitter, the under here seems really nice. You see two quarterbacks, Pickett and Willis, being really the only two kind of consensus 
first round picks anywhere you look. On the other hand, I just keep coming back to this thing. If I was a QB needy team, I wouldn't be trying to steam up, you know, or draw any attention to the third quarterback that I'm looking to draft. I do think it would make sense for Ritter to sneak in to the back half of the first round as well. So I'm torn on this one. Logically, I think three, three plus quarterbacks should go. Um, but yeah, current sentiment makes it seem like the under, uh, is where it's going to be at. The tough part is like, so based on who's drafting at the end, like the lions right now, the 32 overall pick, if you saw them trade out, I feel like then you'd feel pretty good about this bet. Like if you had, you know, one QB drafted and you get to 20, let's say like, I just don't see the chiefs picking 29 and 30. They're not going to take a QB Packers pick at 28, not going to take a QB Bengals 31, not going to take a QB bucks 27, probably not going to take a QB same thing for the Titans. I, I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of ways here where there's ends up being one QB drafted in the first round. And I think at plus money, like, I, again, I'm just more willing to take any of these plus money bets rather than the minus money ones. Yeah, and I just pulled up this uh, tweet from Schefter too, talking about how multiple teams in the top half of the draft have inquired about trading back in the first round, which I don't know. I feel like it's more common to see these teams moving up to go get their guys um, in this round, but it's almost the opposite this year where it's like these teams, there's a bunch of them in the top 10 that need a quarterback. But they, I think just because of whatever the market sentiment is, they feel like they're overpaying to take that quarterback in the top 10 picks. And so it's like they'd rather move back, get the quarterback, which is essentially what they needed altogether. You know, if you're the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Panthers, while picking up some assets in the process. And so that's another one of those interesting things where right now, I wonder if, you know, again, making a case for the over on quarterbacks, if a bunch of these teams or a couple of them were able to trade back, I wonder if we could see three quarterbacks go more in the teens and early twenties because they were able to move back and feel like they were getting a little more bang for their buck. Interesting. I mean, look, there's different ways to look at it. That's what we try to talk about in this show. And I think it's honestly really important when we do any betting segment, like these are just probability based events with anything that we're looking at here. So like ultimately, like you could be, you could have a take and end up being right on other side. It doesn't mean that you went in with bad information or anything. And I think just the way that Pete diced that up, like I, I agree that there's certainly some ways I could be wrong. It's just my gut tells me that, that these QBs are not valued terribly highly. And a lot of this is just like Malik Willis will get there because he's got the gigantic arm. He's also a beast. Then you also still have guys like Pete Prisco, who somehow still has a job at CBS, even though he's been giving out bad football takes for a while. He was saying to Pete that they should switch him to a running back, and then I guess he got some blowback for the racial connotations of it. But it's like uh, Malik Willis is the only one that you could say like has unique skills that work in the NFL right now. Kenny Pickett's little hands and Desmond Ritter being good at Cincinnati, I feel like, don't qualify. Yeah. And Tube Sox mentioning too, I, I have seen the Titans um, potentially um, being connected to a quarterback like Pickett. Um, and I believe they could get out of Tannehill's contract without an absurd cap hit in a year or two. So yeah, I think there's, I think you can make a legitimate case for four to five teams that could really justify taking a quarterback. Um, and if this was last year's class, I think we would see that number again, but just because they're so collectively down on it, but I've, I'm still, I still just don't buy that these teams aren't really strongly considering even some of these tier two quarterbacks like Sam Howell, um, and Ritter, uh, strongly in the first round. 
I think they might be thinking about these guys as like, oh, they're all replaceable. We'll take whoever falls to us in the second round. But that's like, we'll find out who's going to be right. And uh, I'm curious to see how it goes. Cause I think there's definitely some ways that you could chop this up based on how the GMs will, will make it work. Uh, Mike Rob saying that fifth year option for a first rounder is just too big to pass up. That is an important contract control thing that, that can be important. But if you also don't believe in the guy that much, maybe you want to be a little bit more willing to not have that fifth year on it would be my thought, but that's obviously uh, speculative. And also Pete, I, we don't need to pull this up because we got to get to the rookie soft more draft now and underdog but a lot of interesting draft pick parlays over on uh dk as well like a like legitimately a list of 50 of them i would say in general like any of them plus over like plus 1000 or more i wouldn't take but i just want to point that out pete because i do feel like the parlays like if you're following guys like amico following guys um like cody we talked about an etr and just you know like the people who are sharp crane's been doing a lot of great interviews out there as well like there's probably some value on some of these i just think they're the plus you know 2000 ones are going to be mostly bullshit yeah, these are pretty fun uh, to go through here. Yeah, some of these, like Malik Willis, first QB selected, and Garrett Wilson, first wide receiver selected. I, I feel like I need way more plus money than that to pull the trigger on that at, at plus 225. Those odds don't seem long enough uh, for me. I don't like these. First running back drafted Kenneth Walker. So little of a chance of that happening. Top 10 pick Garrett Wilson. Um. Yeah, it, it, at which case don't you shouldn't you just bet Garrett Wilson to the Jets? <laughs> like he's probably not going to go before that. So yeah, some of these seem um very very unlikely. Kenny Pickett to be selected by the Panthers. They're everyone sa says they'll be shocked if the Panthers take Kenny Pickett. I'm just trying to see if I can find one of these <laughs> that I that I vaguely like here. Um Trayvon yeah. Walker to be a top three pick and Jordan Davis to be a top 10 pick. Like, I don't mind that one because you got half the parlays conditions probably already met. And then you're getting plus money on the other half of that. So like, but again, it's still like that. They do squeeze every little bit of value out of these parlays too. So that's why like, I think you gotta be extra cautious when you do any sort of book given parlays. Yeah. Um, where are you at right now on, uh, Brees Hall sneaking into the first round? Obviously for fantasy, that would be fun. Do you think there's any chance that actually happens? I don't think it's insane that somebody would take him like, you know, maybe the chiefs trade one of their picks and you take him at 29 or 30. Like, I think that's something that could happen. Like, I don't mind actually the, one of the plus 1000 bets that I wouldn't mind um, on the parlays is like one plus running backs and one plus tight ends. Cause I do think there's some ways that you get a Trey McBride or even an Isaiah likely probably not so much him, but Trey McBride could sneak into the first. So could Brees hall. Um, but overall, like, I think it's, it's hard to say anybody, but Brees Hall wouldn't be the top back. Like, I feel like there's, there's been nothing saying that anybody likes Kenneth Walker more, even though I do think they grade out comparably. Like people love Brees Hall. I wish there was a market for third running back selected because that's where it's the most wide open. And I think would be the most fun to sprinkle in some really big long shots. Um, just cause there's no consensus on the best third running back right now, but it looks like they're tapping it out at, at two here, at least on this view. Yep. So um, anything else draft wise you want to hit on or should we just get into this rookie sophomore draft? Um, I just wanted to pull this one. Oh. Bullock, uh, I missed this one. I'm behind on stealing bananas. He says, Sean thinks Brees Hall might sneak in uh, to not only the first round, but the top 15, man, to me, that sounds crazy. But uh, if there's one thing I've learned in life, it is not to fade Sean and his hunches. He essentially call the, uh, the Sony Michelle trade uh, last off season, right before it happened. So uh, yeah. And at the end of the day, these teams, these organizations, as much as the league has changed, they still fucking love their running back. So that would not, not surprise me. 
The only one I could see doing that is the Texans. I feel like they have two picks in that top 15. They're dumb enough to do it. Like that feels like that could be one of those moves that makes no sense, especially still have David Johnson in their contract, but it just feels like a Texans move. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do a rookie sophomore draft. And if you want to play with us over on underdog, use the promo code splash. Well, they'll double your deposit up to $100 on underdog. So a great way to get in there. Again, the rookie sophomore draft has been, uh, I think pretty close to full now. So we got to get in while we can, and it does close on Thursday when the draft hits. So make sure you're getting in there. 9,400 people you can see out of 1100. And I'm sure these are going to be coming in hot and heavy these last few days with about as much information out there as possible, Pete, but any final, I guess, advice for people out there, if they are jamming some lineups in here down the home stretch. Yeah, uh, I did one of the I did did one of these on the stairmaster uh, the other day. I I should uh, point out too when I was mentioning the Deposit Kingdom Discord, I do have a best ballers tag in there. So if you go to the roles channel and you sign up for that role, similar to how we have the good shit spags tag, um, you can tag other drafters when you're trying to fill a draft. Just a nice little bit of functionality there. But yeah, I, I think my main kind of advice is to get creative with the last couple picks. Um, and this is similar to other best ball drafts where 90% of these players are going to be drafted in every single league, but there's a bunch of them that could have ownership that is incredibly low, like sub 10%. Um, I think it was on chip chasing the other night. We took Tyler Beatty um, as a guy who's kind of pushed further down the ADP and it's kind of just thinking of who could I land on um, right now that's going to be low owned and kind of give me unique construction because I do think everyone's going to be funneled toward very similar constructions, very similar, you know, textures of, of players just by how small the contest is. Oh, we did get the one on one. So we finally get a Jamar chase. Yeah. I was going to say, we have to take Jamar chase here. We have not had him in any of the rookie sophomore drafts we had, um, but Nick in the chat saying at some point he got a chase at Javante Lance team. What room was that? And like, that's the, that's the part about best ball. It sometimes feels like a kick in the nuts. Yeah, I remember Nick shared that one in the Discord and everyone thought he was uh he was lying. He was not. Uh he he got one of those teams. So yeah, it feels good when you grind these out and you're able to land on an insane combination like that. Yeah, I look, I think that's uh one that certainly is gonna put you in good position. But even that, Pete, I feel like it's still like there's no sure thing that you would like win at all. Like all it takes is one injury to one of those guys, and then that pick could still be a sunk cost. Yeah. Yeah. And it more speaks to, I mean, the Lance stuff is tough, right? Like mm. you can make cases for him to be the the second overall pick. And then there's lots of ways it could go bad. I feel like we haven't gotten a Justin Fields share yet in these collectively. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I don't think we have. And I guess we're due though. I he, Boy, if anybody ruined my opinion of them last year, it's Justin Fields. Like even Trevor Lawrence wasn't good, but I feel like there were so many things wrong around him. Justin Fields had a bad coach, but like he was just dog shit and it was it, as inaccurate as could be, but we have to take him here. I get it. Yeah. Um, it's honestly hard for me to get excited about any of the quarterbacks uh, <laughs> in this format. Um, we could also made the case to punt it um, and wait. So you know, as far as looking here, I'm still, I do think there's a tear gap at running back after ETN. I would be fine to take him. Yeah. I like ETN. I, we, we've taken him a lot in our regular super flex drafts as well on underdog. And, um, a guy should be able to catch some passes, uh, going to be dealing with Robinson coming off of his leg issues. So we'll see if maybe that gives him a head start and yeah, definitely draft capital has been invested there too, even if it was by a previous regime. Uh, Andrew, don't tempt us with a good time. I can't <laughs> imagine another way to get me so easily rock hard as to stack Justin Fields with Khalil Herbert. Are, are the people think that Khalil Herbert's just going to be like Tariq Cohen now? Is that like the, the consensus thought out there? 
no. I mean, I, I, I actually like the Khalil Herbert play. I mean, the thesis is very simple. He looked really good when he was on the field and he has flashed kind of a bell cow skill set where he can be an interior rusher and catch the ball. And if David Montgomery gets hurt, I think he would take over the majority of that backfield. So I do think he's like a sneaky premium handcuff. All right. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> you want to do the double USC dip with a Monra and Drake London? <laughs> oh, wow. You're right. Um, yeah. Let me just make sure. Have we, I feel like we, we need to get a Garrett Wilson share though. Yeah. We could take Garrett Wilson over. I think we've gotten enough Monra, and I've, I've really, I think driven his brand up about as much as anybody this off season. Yeah. So I would say, I feel like a lot of these wide receivers feel flat to me where I, Drake I feel London like I would, thumbnail for the record. You're right. Thumbnail equity. I was going to make a case for Kenneth Walker, but who am I to disagree with my own fucking thumbnail? <laughs> I mean, like if you didn't put him on the thumbnail, I'd be like, we, maybe we could pass Drake London here. We've taken him a few times. Uh, and I like Kenneth Walker, but again, the thumbnail's right over my shoulder. Like I can't, you can't ignore that. Um, Paul saying that David Bell could be a bear target in the NFL draft. We, we love our galaxy brain stacks before they've even been completed. So uh, let's file that one away. Yeah. Bell I know has always been pretty highly ranked on Mike Tanier's rankings uh, for the football outsiders 40. And let me see where he is now. Cause actually I haven't seen that. In a bit. Actually, I guess he came down a little bit. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Kenny Pickett, Dotson. Yeah, never mind. Jameson Williams undervalued on the FO 40 board. If he's, if he's got like the top odds to go number 10 overall, I feel like yeah. he should be higher than 20th in our, in our board. Yeah. You need to run that up the ladder. <laughs> Look, uh, I, I, I think we should get him with one of these picks, by the way. I support that. We JMO. We heard the nickname today. How could you not? Yeah. JMO. We got a JMO. Welcome to the squad. Um, so I think we could, we could double, well, I mean, we are getting Khalil Herbert in another round. Um, do you want to double tap wide receiver here? And then yeah, pivot back? That. Or yeah. the other option, too, is we could grab Malik Willis and be done at quarterback. We haven't gotten a lot of Malik Willis, and I, I think I wouldn't be opposed to, to doing that. All right, let's do it. I mean, like, yeah, we just exalted him and said that he's pretty much the the most confident first-round QB we have. I feel like we got to back that up with, our, our, with your pocketbook. <laughs> yes, you know. I'm always willing to open my pocketbook out for you, Spags. This is like me taking you out on a date. Hey, want to draft <laughs> the best ball team? Well, you know, meet me in VR chat later for the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. post show. Throw on your Oculus. I'll, Spags I'll puts out here. after after our best ball dates. There's honestly a lot of very funny videos that sometimes I get lost in a YouTube rabbit hole of of like Twitch streamers doing like the VR chat things. I forget it was like Miss Misfit or I don't know somebody out there who's a known streamer. I I don't keep up with streamers enough, Pete. I don't know if you do, but I I don't have the mental bandwidth to remember streamer names at this point. I don't either. I'm sorry. I remember you. That's about it. I, video game Thank streamers you. are just that's that's too far. Unless they're in a hot tub in a bikini spags, they're not on my radar. The hot tub meta. That was uh that's Twitch is more fun to read about than I think for me to like partake in the culture. That's that's my take. All right, I'm putting uh, Khalil Herbert in the queue because we have to get that just absolutely gorgeous stack. Who else are you interested in? Uh I mean I support the Khalil Herbert. Andrew asked for it, and I feel like we gotta we gotta go where the money is. So we support that. Um you know, we don't take a lot of Pat, Pat Freermuth here, but maybe maybe now's the time. Sure. Why not? 
had some touchdowns. We already have three rookies in a row. Our locker room needs kind of a strong sophomore veteran presence. Yeah, and we don't have any tight ends. So now we got, you know, the tight end we've been looking for, but don't have to have in this format at all. Yeah, it's more it's more a morale thing. You know, the wide receivers feel more protected when there's a tight end in the room. Uh, is there a George Pickens clip? Oh, no, no Sky he's talking Moore. about Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Okay. I was like, oh, I, did you? I was like, did Pete fall in love with George Pickens that I didn't know? Because I feel like that would have been at least a, a little bit of buildup for that would have been nice. Bullock, I mean, we are going to do our big board show concept draft slash brainstorm at some point. Maybe, maybe we need to find a way for the the literal splash play drafts. Bags and I splash it around in our inflatable hot tubs. Do you have a hot tub? No. Oh, people have hot tub. Like our neighbors have a no, hot tub. I thought you meant an inflatable hot. Like, do I have this bit already ready? It's like, well, now that you say it, <laughs> just so you might add a hot tub. You seem like a hot tub guy. Thank um, you. Well, they said David Bell. We got to go with the yeah. chat. Uh, so we get that double stack. Who else do you want to take here? Probably, um, probably a third running back. I, I'm always going to be a supporter of Gainwell. I just think he gets like a Gainwell. little more work this year. Yeah. We're going with a theme here too, of kind of uh, skewing towards the pass catching side, let our quarterbacks and wide receivers do the talking. We just need our running backs. Give us, I don't know, nine and a half points a game. You don't have to, don't, don't, not, don't hurt yourself. You know, don't, don't take on too much work. Just, just give us a high floor. Uh, Mike Rob saying sermon there. Also, yeah, you're a sauna guy, but saunas and hot tubs, like they're they're on the spectrum of of things. Bullock, I'll call your bluff on that. You can't unsub. <laughs> Bullock, did you see uh, earlier? He declared that he was a former esports player of some sort. I missed that. Yeah, I wanted to dig in more, but we were doing great content, so I couldn't couldn't deviate. Should we give Mike Rob what he wants? I'm I'm down for a little sermon last pick. I mean, have you seen what's going on with this Rashad White stuff? I mean. A lot of people thought he was like the third best running back coming into kind of like the draft process. And now there's people who think he, oh, I'm going to just grab Sermon. Yeah, I think, I think he might, <laughs> might not even get drafted, might be sneak into the sixth or seventh round. Like the Rashad White stock has plummeted. Yeah, the opposite Tyler Beatty, who we were early on. And thankfully now it's going to pay some big dividends for us, I'm sure. I forgot that this is to label this. This was a rookie and sophomore Stairmaster draft I did on Saturday. I hope your Stairmaster drafts end up being like the big winners. Like it's just, you got to be alone with it, working out your quads, really blasting them hard. And then you get your best results. Thank you. There we go. Splash play Galbrain Chicago. This will, uh, no, I'll probably sneak in one or two of these before you can see though. I've mainly exclusively done these drafts on stream. One Which little Stairmaster draft. I, Look, I snuck you don't want to waste that genius of yours on non stream moments. <laughs> What what is the news uh did on Kadarius Tony? What happened? So there's rumors that he might get traded, but he denied them on social media. I I find it hard to like giving up on him now. Like he would have to be a bat, which again, he hasn't shown that he's a great guy on the field, <laughs> given what he did last year of punching people and such. But I don't think he's that bad of a guy that you know you give up on him already, unless Brian Dable's doing like a weird culture thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is when you draft Kadarius Tony, at least it, at least none of us can claim we didn't know what we were getting into. Like every time you draft Kadarius Tony, you're like, this guy seems like he could truly be a psycho, but 
I don't know if he keeps his head on straight, he could be a top 10 wide receiver. Like, I, I think that's a fair logic to say um, that, yeah, it's risky, but the the reward's pretty nice if he pulls it together. But man, none of us can act surprised if he's just like not playing by week three. Well, it's kind of like that Mike Tyson clip. I don't know if you saw that this week of him being harassed by the guy on the plane and then he ends up like punching the guy because like, the guy's just being a shithead looking for, for cloud on social media. But it's like, there's been so many great receivers who have like that hint of insanity. Like Steve Smith has, has been a bit of a nut job at times. Anquan Bolden, I feel like he ended up being like this amazing citizen down the end of it. But I remember when he was a rookie, like he had some stuff around him too or a younger player. Like there's a bit enough guys out there that are a bit of a head case and that Odell's maybe... He's not tough in that way. <laughs> I think Darius Tony might be, but I feel like I don't hate that in a receiver, Pete. Like a little bit of insanity with a a penchant for violence. I feel like it only gives him a a shot at reaching that upside more so. Nothing like the combination of a little bit of insanity and a penchant for violence. Clearly, a recipe for fantasy success. I mean, Pete, if you think that's not enough to justify us getting a, a fantasy stream on the NFL.com app, that was beautiful broadcasting by me right there. A pension for violence. That's some Joe Buck pros that would be on Fox. Yeah. Have you been writing some uh, nonfiction in, in all your free time now as a dad? I just keep a pension for violence in my back pocket. I just feel like it's a fun throwaway phrase to have ready at all. This time. comment from Steven in context of this conversation, feel like he wants to come and fight you. <laughs> Where do you live in Philly's back? I think, well, people, Mike was accusing me. I think uh, Mike Rob was accusing me of being a, a Philly Homer now. Cause I've been like touting Gainwell to be clear. I have no affinity. I guess the stars, I guess things are aligning perhaps that maybe that maybe Steven just wants to come and go shoot the shit about the local Philly teams, Pete. Cause that's what I am here. Just a regular Philly native. We need, we need a meet me in Temecula equivalent for Philadelphia uh, or Pennsylvania. <laughs> Oh, and also Mike Rob saying Antonio Brown went for a thousand yards in year two. He seems the closest to Tony Antonio Brown, also a known stable person as well. So I think a lot of things are, are lining up here for, for Kadarius Tony. Uh, Spags, is this your burner? Uh, this individual says that works. I never get to see this live. Won't today either, but just want to say this is my favorite show on YouTube. Great work guys. Spags, those paid actors, paid commenters you got in the chat are uh, paying off. I was going to say, you can see my hands have been down the entire show, so I couldn't possibly be typing. Uh, so now, in fact, Tommy G, I feel like I recognize the name. Like, look, I've been hearing more people that enjoy the show, Pete. I think us just refusing to take time off, I think it's our big mover <laughs> for fantasy football because people just aren't done talking about football and they just want to hang out with the boys, do some best ball drafts, maybe talking about getting jerked off for a million dollars, whatever the case may be on a given episode. <laughs> And with that note, I think it's about time to wrap it up. <laughs> on that note, we'll be back on Friday at 2.30 Eastern on this show with our round one recap along with USFL picks for the weekend. And then Pete, give the people the plug one more time for the ship chasing NFL draft special. Yep, we'll be uh, kicking that off on Thursday night. So usual ship chasing Wednesday, 9.15 slots getting flexed to Thursday. Going to have a lot of guests, Pat, myself, Gretch, Sean, and Amixta going to hold it down for the entire draft show and then having some rotating guests, including Chris Spaggs, including some Rotoviz guys, some ETR guys, going to be a very fun time. That's over on the Ship Chasing YouTube channel, a different channel than this one. You can search for that on YouTube, get subscribed, and we'll see you there uh, on Thursday. All right, so go check that out. Make sure to follow at Peter Overzet, follow at Chris Spags, and follow at Splash Play Pod. We're putting out some clips on social. We're also, of course, putting out the episode info whenever that comes out. So make sure you are there. And of course, subscribe to the Peach channel, subscribe to the Splash Play channel. And if you get time, give us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. That would help us out a little bit. We got to start to push on there a little bit more once more. So please do that. And we'll catch you guys on the ship chasing stream on Thursday. So enjoy your weeks. Bye. <laughs>